spoiler alert. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. I don't think I give you the update. I'm actually now housebound for 10 days. Uh, I'm so sorry, buddy. So uh, are, are you sharing the full details of that of that saga? Well, I don't know if I should, but that, essentially there's someone uh, within our family that has tested positive for COVID. Crazy. That we were around on the weekend. Um, and uh, obviously they feel super guilty and stuff too. They didn't know at the time. They were abiding by the rules at all times too. They just ended up, you know, wrong place, wrong time kind of thing. Well, yeah, because we didn't know um, exactly how many people in the province have it, which as it turns out is probably very, very many, probably hundreds, right? Because yeah. we know of 111. So it's it's suddenly everywhere. And, and this week has been uh, particularly uh, daunting in Nova Scotia in a way that it hasn't been in almost a year. Yeah. And people are saying that it was like a, a family that moved to like Halifax from Ontario and they had like a housewarming thing and they didn't wait the incubation period kind of thing. Yeah. This I, is what I've heard. I, all, I often wonder um, how, like if maybe people just hear about the the quarantine regulations and then they figure, well, they probably don't take it that seriously. And they're like, oh, this is the kind of rules that people probably bend all the time. And they don't actually realize that you're going to get checked up on every damn day and we're taking it so seriously. Right. Yeah, it's it's true. I need to get tested. I, I have a test tomorrow. I have two more tests within the 10 days after that at some point. They're, we don't have a thermometer, so they're dropping thermometers off at our house. Two separate wow. ones. Jen and I are supposed to stay apart from each other. Different bathrooms, wipe everything down, different beds. Well, why do you and Jen have to stay apart from one another? Well, because it's possible that one of us is sick and the other one isn't darn man and so it it does kind of make i mean it's yeah. it, it seems a little crazy because we've been around each other so often but if one of us ended up getting sick and there's a chance that the other one didn't have to then it's just less strain on the healthcare system all that stuff too well i'm sorry bud that must be kind of discouraging like helpfully you have the you've already started working from home and so it's not like totally it's not a calamity yeah. but here we are in april of the second year and and we're having our worst bout of it ever like i don't think anybody saw this right. coming no i don't think so either we, we were doing a good job for a while the, the thing i think feel like people feel like kind of bad for me i'm like that like the decision's already made yeah like i need to do so it's like it's kind of like it's a no-brainer like oh sure i'll just have to stay in for 10 days i think i can probably do that Right. I, I'm also in, and I don't want to get into a big discussion about my wedding because I'm having anxiety about it uh, in, ter sure, in terms right. of the pandemic. But um, I'm also like choosing optimism today because what else can you do? Yeah, man. <laughs> it's just out of your hands. Totally. It's like you're not, you just keep your head down as long as you're not actively going against the rules on anything, then I'd say you're all good. That's it. That's it. Exactly. So we got all kinds of fun stuff to talk about uh, tonight. But first and foremost, I want to lead with the Jade Explains thing. Perfect. Which I, I think that if I play this from my computer, because obviously you and I are remote right now, I think you'll be able to hear it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm just going to hit play and we'll find out. 
And time for another Jade Explains a Thing. The melody that Slaney was singing is not something that I recognize from Les Mis, but he does actually sing the lyrics, My name is Jean Valjean, in the song Look Down, which is the first one on the thing. Javert calls him 24601 and he goes, My name is Jean Valjean. Anyway, so you're both wrong. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) The best part about that is I've never actually seen Les Mis. I've seen Les Mis on stage. I have seen the film a couple times. It's not that good. The play is good. The movie's not that good. Right. Um, I actually kind of secretly, low-key, really love uh, Les Mis. And now that I hear Jade say, my name is Jean Valjean, that seems obvious. Um, but look at you, you little librettist, studying the the lyrics of... I remember my friend Brent singing that at one point in time, and it just stuck with me. <laughs> You're, there's always like in Jade explains the thing. There's always a degree more of Slaney was more right than Colin. <laughs> <laughs> this is my life. But, I'm wrong about funny? everything. I never feel good about it. That's very big of you, bud. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so now we got that covered. Uh, Pick that box. Well, this is also kind of a bummer, but it was a big TV thing this week. Did you watch any of the Derek Chauvin coverage, or did you? bother being involved with that at all no not really i kind of knew that the world also i've been a little bit busy just with like work and trying to do other stuff so news in general like like even hearing that on monday like oh yeah our case is bad again it was like right oh this is the thing right well when that happened like and i was i was not following the trial i was just seeing the names trending for like a week or 10 days or however long that trial was going on that was to determine whether or not the guy who we all saw you know, kill somebody on camera, killed somebody. Um, and so I knew that it had had started to take way too long and that probably a verdict was going to come down at any point. Then another day goes by and we got uh, an email within the company basically saying like, you know, at any point news could come out that could be deeply upsetting to a lot of people. And in that event, make sure you're sensitive with your language on the radio. It was like, it was an important uh, reminder. Um, and then that had me kind of kind of anxious because I think up until then I thought, well, I mean, if there's going to be a verdict while I'm on the radio, and let's face it, there's going to be anytime something happens, I'm on the radio. Um, I'll probably just won't talk about it at all. And then after that email came down, I was like, no, maybe this is like the most important thing in the world. Um, and so I figured I would. And then they said, yeah, it's going to come out at six o'clock. And just the way timing worked out, like it would have been impossible for anyone in the world in the business of broadcast to get it on the air as quickly as I did. Like the judge is still reading the verdict and I've got 12 seconds left on my song. And the song I'm going into is Let It Be. And I don't really want to miss the opportunity to say good news into Let It Be. And so I did it and it worked out really well, but it was like this tense thing and my heart was kind of racing afterward. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because people might remember that as being the way they found out, like, like, oh, yeah, I was driving home from work, and I remember Colin Sweets popped on the radio. Well, and thankfully, it was the right outcome. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. What you watching? What are you watching this week? You know, we started watching Detroiters again because there's not a lot on TV. Rewatching it. Rewatching. Um. So that, and then we started watching more of uh, Made for Love. So that, that's a little bit of a spoiler. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I thought, yeah. With it, yeah, without jumping the gun, I kind of thought Made for Love was, it was a Slaney outfit. Yeah, 
yeah, I think it's something that we'll we'll continue to watch. Kind of kind of in the vein of devs, which is the thing that everybody forgot about it as soon as it was over. But like while it was on, you're like, yeah, devs, baby. De- yeah, definitely not as um, it's a little more. There's like more of a purity to Made for Love than than there was with devs. But, yeah, yeah, because she's so incredibly lovable. I mean, and so is Nick yeah. Offerman, I guess, but he was not the good guy in that show. No, and and like you know, Ray Romano being in it too, and like that, yeah, right. It's a it's a vibe. I finally saw Nomadland. What'd you think? You know, it's probably going to win Best Picture, and it's definitely going to win Best Director, and it might win Best Lead Actress. Although I don't know that that one's a shoe win anymore. Like it's it could very well end up being like a huge Nomadland night on Sunday. And okay, is it this Sunday? Yeah, it's this Sunday this week. Wow. Um, you know what? I liked it. Like it's good and it's and it's certainly very beautiful visually. Um and so I guess from what I understand of what film direction is, I thought it was an achievement. And and also Frances McDormand is never bad. And she's and there's really also uh, something quite remarkable about how this movie intermingles actors with actual nomads and so it's almost got like a a documentary quality. Yeah, it's almost like a re- reality style. Sort of, yeah. Ha- handy cam kind of thing going on. But I haven't spent any time like pondering on Nomadland since it ended. And right. I, I thought it was long. And I, I'm not really sure what happened in it. Like, I think I know what it's about. I think it's about mm. loss and what the definition of home is. And my, my takeaway was basically like when you when you lose somebody you love, essentially you become spiritually homeless. And so that that was kind of what happened to a lot of people in this movie. Um, it was sadder than I expected, but I did not see a clear arc. And so I kind of found it a little lacking and, and therefore a little dull. You didn't see it yet. I didn't see it yet. No, we, when we have the option to, yep. um, someone at work described it as uh, relentlessly somber yet weirdly uplifting. Yeah, that's that's right. But except for that, I think a better attempt at those adjectives is sound of metal, which is relentlessly somber and weirdly uplifting. Yeah. And actually like, like continually watchable. Like I, I feel like I could watch that again and be like, okay, we're at the part where, you know, he's like losing his hearing at the beginning. Okay. Right. We're at the part where he's at, you know, like all of those points, like I could watch again where I, I, I get the vibe from nomad land that I'm not going to feel that way about it. It's I've maybe never done such a poor job of seeing all the best picture nominees before the Oscars. And in part, it's because it's this weird movie year. I've seen five out of eight of them. Um, mm-hmm. And that leaves on the table Minari, uh, The Father, and Judas and the Black Messiah. I, I, I think I'll watch Judas and the Black Messiah maybe tomorrow night, maybe, yep. Min, maybe Minari Saturday night. Like I'm going to try and get through those ones. Um but it's been really hard to track everything down. And then the other thing is there's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is very likely going to take best lead actor for Chadwick. And and it's starting to look like uh, Viola Davis could win best lead actress for that movie too. So where it's not nominated for best picture, it might win some serious prestige acting awards. And then it kind of seems like an irresponsible one not to check out. Yeah, so there's like a, a last minute push, like there's a, a champagne campaign for Viola Davis. I don't know if you'd call it that. I just think that she's starting to come up from behind in some of the other smaller tier awards, like 
um, I, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but like there's the BAFTAs and there's the Indie Spirits and all of these other, because this is awards season, right? Where they, there's, uh, they all lead up to the Academy Awards. Can you can you take us through the process it took for you to watch Nomadland? Because I know you were thinking that Nomadland was unavailable to you. And by the way, when I told you, no, Little Miss Sunshine's not on Disney+, Plus, I was wrong for the same reason. Um, so yeah, we talked last week about how like I couldn't seem to find it for whatever reason. I'm like searching it on, on Disney Plus Star and it's not coming up and yet all of the marketing and the like the articles say that it's supposed to be available in Canada on Disney Plus Star at no additional cost uh, on April 9th or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so I, I sent you the same screenshots that I sent to Disney Plus support, who, by the way, never got back to me. It was, basi- it was basically like an article, one screenshot of an article saying that, yes, you'll definitely be able to get this movie on Disney Plus Star. And then the other screenshot is my typing Nomadland into the space bar and having it just come up with no results. But you were the clever boy who noticed just from remarkably the screenshot actually captured this that i had my nothing over the age of 14 uh uh detector turned on with disney plus and so yeah. i was i was basically on pg mode and i don't know why <laughs> i ever would have selected that but that's why nomadland and little miss sunshine weren't coming up for me and it made me think about it too like did i just like pay really close attention when i first signed up like maybe it automatically signs you up for like tv 14 well i don't know um, why but yours yours particularly said like you're signed up for tv 14 so mature themes will not show i don't know why they even had that function for me to uh make a decision on when i signed up for disney plus as soon as it launched because initially their whole thing was we're not going to have anything over pg like everything is going to be family oriented and so right I guess that's still technically true if you don't consider Disney Plus star content Disney Plus content, but right. at some point they had to create a, an age restriction toggle, and I do not recall ever interacting with it. And, and it's very possible. Like when I when I register for things, I'm so keyed in on what I'm doing because I'm like, like my shoulders are usually up. This is because I'm like, I don't want to screw this up. Like, I want to make sure that I'm getting the best <laughs> viewing experience. And, uh, so and so I think maybe that was the only reason that I might have caught it. Okay. Well, now I've seen it. And I don't know that I don't like unrecommend it. I don't, I don't discourage it. But I don't know that I got the rich experience that I hope to get. What are you riding for at the Oscars? Is there any, do you have any either predictions or, or um, like prayers that you know are long shots? So, so I, again, I'm like you, you've seen more Oscar movies than me. I, the one, the movies that stuck with me were Promising Young Woman and Sound of Metal. Right. I've seen Minari. Minari is really good. There's definitely a case to be made for people in Minari. I've seen Trial of Chicago 7. I haven't seen Mank. I haven't seen uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Don't see Mank. I, like, I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy to, like, have the hot take of Mank is not for most people, and it's not for me. And I, I love Hollywood. Like, it, I, I I I almost, I almost am, like, their target audience. I'm, like, a 29-year-old man, white guy, who likes movies, and for some reason, they couldn't get me, I sat through Citizen Kane for this movie, and I am bored by Mank. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely uh, a no for me. Yeah. Um, 
What what other ones are we missing? I I'll watch Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Like I'll try to watch those this weekend. What am I doing? Like I guess maybe it's going to be nice outside, so yeah. we can do some yard work. We can be out on the deck in the back, out on the deck in the front, whatever. Right. But for the most part, I'm you know I'm down from like six p.m. or like seven p.m. till one a.m. to just consume content. Right. Well, there's the father and maybe alcohol. Absolutely. Uh, quarter's over. The the father, which I th- I think if Chadwick were to lose the Oscar, which would be sad in a way, um, mm-hmm. I think Anthony Hopkins is next in line. He's apparently quite lovely in this movie, though it's sad. I would love, to, I would love to watch the father. Yeah. Speaking of relentlessly somber, but I think that there's a little more there. I th- I feel like it's done in a way that at least like keeps you keeps you in it and keeps you kind of guessing not i think my hope is that it makes it feel like a thriller even though it's not a thriller at that, all that's what i heard like really sad story. that's what yeah, i heard okay great it, it, that it kind of has this suspense this I, I think that they are they're able to harness suspense as the symbolic version of the disease that's killing him i think i don't really know what right. the premise of the movie is but it seems like it's ominous and apparently well, that, olivia coleman's quite great as she always is that's the way that the trailer makes it seem it, yeah. it makes it seem like anthony hopkins is kind of saying like no like there's there's actually nothing wrong with me like you need to believe me mm. but i think the ultimate case is that there is and trial of the chicago 7 is a movie that you and i both both liked i i expected to like it it's unsurprisingly become the movie that all the cool kids roll their eyes at this year. Right. Because it is, you know, a a Sorkin fest. And I was thinking about Sorkin and I've talked so much about how I love that guy. And I do. Um, I I think what I want from him really badly, and there's really no sign of getting it anytime soon is for him to make something up again. It's been so long since he invented something from his brain. He, uh, his, his last many movies going back at least to the social network. He then follows that up with Moneyball and Steve Jobs and Molly's Game. Uh, and then most recently, Trial of the Chicago 7. These are all stories that, yes, he put his sork and kiss on them and made them his, but essentially you can derive what happened from people's autobiographies and court transcripts. And mm-hmm. like a few good men came from his brain. You know, the West Wing right. came from his brain. And those are the things that he'll be remembered for forever. I mean, social network notwithstanding. Yeah. And I, I would love to see if that muscle still works for him. Or maybe he just doesn't care. I wonder if, if too, you're, you're, you know, you're saying that the cool kids are, are kind of hating on Trial of Chicago 7. And I agree. I feel like that's what's been coming up in the media a little bit. Now, I wonder if because we weren't able to experience it for ourselves, if we have a totally different take on it, because like I've heard like Bill Simmons talk about it. Who's of a certain age. He's probably early fifties. Yeah. So he's like, he's remembering watching it as a kid and, and saying that like, um, who's the guy who played the, the, the kind of like, uh, the guy who played Stephen Hawking. Oh, uh, Eddie Redmayne. Yes. Yeah. He's like, Eddie Redmayne is terrible as that guy. Like, yeah. He's not. Whereas I think you and I are like, eh, he's fine. Like, I think he is fine. I, I think that like all the accents in that movie, like the Chicago accents, or I think for some reason, and, and probably not for some reason, probably for a very specific reason, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's doing more of a Massachusetts accent. And I don't think 
any of the accents are especially fabulous. <laughs> but yeah, I'd like Eddie Redmayne as a screen presence. I think that he's he's a good actor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had no problem with anyone in the movie. I think the other thing being the fact that, um, you know, the two actors, uh, uh, friggin' Borat, <laughs> Sasha Barrico and, and uh, Jeremy, other guy, Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong are yeah. actually like, 50 year olds playing 20 year olds. Yes, that's true. That's the other issue. Your, uh, your audio just got super echoey. Did you change inputs? What happened is both my AirPods died, but just one second, I'll, I'm able to put one back in. Okay, cool. Yeah. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm able to form my own opinion. I'm not going to be swayed for the same reason. I like still think La La Land is really great. And three years ago, four years ago, that was the movie that the cool kids rolled their <laughs> eyes at. And pretty much every year, I tend to like the movie that the cool kids roll their eyes at. Uh, right. And, you know, I, I think it's better to like things. But it's going to be an interesting Oscars. Uh, no presenters wearing masks. It, it really is, sends a clear message about how well vaccinated Hollywood is. Like, here we are having this this horrid um, uh, turnaround with our COVID numbers in Nova Scotia. Meanwhile, they're going to have fucking Coachella this year because Americans don't have to learn from consequences at all, apparently. They were saying today that 25% are vaccinated in Nova Scotia, which was actually kind of an impressive number to me. Yeah, but they're older. Yeah, and you're right. I, if that if that's true, I guess that's pretty good. Both my folks have one of two doses of the AZ. Oh, that's good. So I'm happy about that. That That's true as of today. I've got one grandmother who's uh, fully vaccinated. She's Perfect. got She's got both. That's excellent. My other grandmother has one. And you know, the premier said today, you know, in another four weeks, they'll be vaccinating people in their 40s. And so that's something that gives me hope for my wedding, for example, and, and a hope, totally. in, hope in general. But like... Mm-hmm. Holy Toledo, we really need it to to move a little faster. When I watched the press conference today, those were the initial press corps questions. Um, right. Like basically, hey, is there any consideration towards like rolling out vaccines faster? And Dr. Strang is like, well, sure. <laughs> we talk about that every day, but we can only do what we can do. Yeah, which is it's kind of like, oh yeah, let's just do it faster. Oh, guys. great idea. Oh, <laughs> we'll just do it faster. Okay. Yeah, hey. Yeah, actually, you know what? When you say that, we could just do everyone tomorrow. <laughs> Everybody come to my place, but stand, yeah. stand six feet apart. Yeah. Now, on the other yeah. hand, I'm starting to get a little frustrated with um, the province constantly reminding us during official uh, engagements that we're one of the safest places in the world or like that we've done a really good job. It just feels like they're patting themselves on the back. Like coming from a guy who has Nova Scotia in his job title, I don't need him to like call together this meeting of the mind so he can tell us how serious our shit is and then tell us, but it's also one of the safest places in the world. It's just not fucking true. The Oscars are this weekend and Jeremy Strong's not wearing a mask. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good ball. Um, My sister's fully vaccinated. Wow, congrats to her. Go go US. Yeah, they're they're like basically like, hey, you want a shot? Like, come on in. Yes. Get, get a shot. We'll give you your shot. A take that one of my uh friends was saying who's a pharmacist was that like early on it was so much slower to get people because you're literally dealing with people that are moving way slower. Oh yeah. <laughs> like and and they need a drive in and they 
But now we're at a point where it's like, you know, people in their 70s, 60s, lower, um, that like, they're like flying through vaccines. Like both my dad and Jen's dad have appointments for next Tuesday to get vaccinated. Both our moms are uh, not full. Jen's mom's fully vaccinated. My mom is like first shot vaccinated. Right. So it's starting to come together. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I have friends in my group that are vaccinated just because they're like on front lines and stuff. You know, amazing. I don't know anybody young who has it. And for that, for that matter, I don't know anyone who's ever had COVID. Like, it's amazing that you have someone in your family who has COVID-19 and, and, you know, I, I wish that person the best of luck. Um, I hope they're doing okay. But like, it, it's, it's kind of remarkable how many cases there have been. And for some reason, it's never entered my stratosphere. And, and Alex had COVID. Yeah. You your know, your buddy my- Alex, like a year ago. One of my really good friends yeah. had had COVID, yeah, and he, uh, you know, by the time he got his 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 uh, smell and taste back to what degree it came back, he's like, I don't know if it is back to the level that it was. Right. <laughs> it's it's just kind of weird. Man, that would be yeah. it. Would make it so hard to. This sounds like melodramatic, but what do you live for if you can't enjoy your Cheerios? It's just like eating sawdust every day. That's right. I feel like he 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 got to a point um, where he's like, he's fine with it. He's like, right. you know, it, it, well, even when he like <laughs> technically couldn't taste anything, he was still having seconds of cake. I don't know why. <laughs> I have no idea. Like that's like a psychological thought experiment. It's right the definition there. of empty calories. <laughs> it's actually true. Well, hey. Why don't you just eat a green pepper or something? <laughs> Tell like, yourself it's cake. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is really exciting. I think it's exciting. I'm, I'm. This is another thing I'm choosing to be optimistic about. And it, I think it really surprised How I Met Your Mother fans when they announced yesterday How I Met Your Father on Hulu, starring Hilary Duff. Now, whoa, yeah, this was announced yesterday. It, it's notable that this is their second crack at How I Met Your Mother spinoff. They already yeah. went so far as creating a pilot. Like it's out there, and I guess it'll never be seen. But it was an in-universe re- gender swap story starring Greta Gerwig, pre-Lady Bird. Uh, wow. With I bet they wish they could get that one back. Well, yeah, maybe. And and so like you know how like Josh Radner played Ted, but then. It was narrated by older Ted, who was Bob Saget. So in the same tradition, it was going to star Greta Gerwig, but with Meg Ryan as like older Meg Ryan, uh, older Greta Gerwig, which I think is kind of a cool pull. They had a good pedigree, um, but the show didn't get picked up and it'll never see the light of day. And so now that was, that show was called How I Met Your Dad, which was infuriating for those of us who, who, (laughs) who like balance. Symmetry appeal. Yeah. Um, And so now they're calling it How I Met Your Father. Thank God. And I actually think Hilary Duff is a fabulous casting decision to lead this show. And in a way, this has the potential to be the the Lizzie reboot, the unofficial Lizzie reboot we'll never have. That's right. It's it's almost kind of like the the uh, continuation that she wanted to be in somehow, but without it still appealing to a cult following. I mean, maybe more than a cult following. How I Met Your Mother is pretty popular. But at the oh, yeah. same time, it kind of feels... When you when you talk to someone who's like a big how I met your mother head, you do kind of feel like you're in a special club with them. Am I right? There, yeah. There's definitely a language to how I met your mother that, and, and that's something that they did 
quite beautifully in the first three seasons. Like the first three seasons of, of How I Met Your Mother have a lot of content that doesn't age very well. It was kind of at a, a sensitive time. And in fact, that's true yeah. right up into the last season of How I Met Your Mother. But the first three really are lovely and pure um, and, and, and quite refreshing comedically, especially for like a network multicam. Um, yeah, they create a vernacular with with the audience. That's absolutely true, and I've seen all of how I, how I met your mother many times. But I do recall that when the Lizzie McGuire reboot died, uh, Hillary Duff made a point of saying publicly, like, "Look, if this, if us doing something like a little more irreverent, so it appeals to the core audience we had in two thousand one, doesn't jive very well with Disney Plus's values." then what about doing it at Hulu, which is, uh, you know, that's owned by Disney, will stay kind of within the family, and we can actually give everybody something that they'll enjoy um, right. rather than just trying to chase this new audience. Um, and so she tried to open the door with Hulu like a year ago or whenever that happened, and I wonder a little bit if they were like, listen, that's a bit of a, a, a legal swamp. We can't deal with that right now, like trying to get Lizzie going again. But what we do have is this pilot script for How I Met Your Father, which will already have a built-in audience. And it's kind of more the the age bracket you're going for. And you get to be like a single woman living in New York City, having friends, discovering love and sex and and job woes and like, and she's like, oh, yeah, I love How I Met Your Mother. Let's let's do it. I kind of think this is not a coincidence. I think this probably happened organically. Totally. Yeah. I, th I, think, th I think we're at the beginning of the Duffessance. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> it's Duff Day, baby. Duff Day. <laughs> Duff times. The other show coming back, and I know I'm sure you've heard about this, and you must be psyched. Is Master of None season three drops next month? Okay, I, I I'm almost a little skeptical of that Reddit post that I think you might have seen too. Okay, because it links to like a, a net a, like a French Netflix, like a like a Paris Netflix, and they've all got dates next to them. Classic Aziz, he's on and, French Netflix. Yeah, and and. Uh, it just says, um, what, what, sorry, what's the show called again? Master of None. Master of None. I wanted to call it Modern Love for some reason. Um, so Master of None uh, is posted at the bottom without any date next to it. And it doesn't say the season next to it. Okay. And everything else says a season. And I'm like, could this just be that Netflix is showing, like, like Master of None is going back on French Netflix. I'm not ready to count those chickens. Yet. Oh, well, if it helps your confidence at all, like there have been other articles about how like the show went into production in, in January or maybe it was November or something. And agree. a lot of this uh, season will focus on uh, Denise, Lena Waite's character. And so, oh. yes, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is, this is surefire. It's, it's supposed to happen. And if not next month, then I guess when, um, oh no, I, I I know it's going to happen. I'm, I know that's like a slam dunk, one hundred percent. I'm just more skeptical of the like it being May. But it'd be really interesting to see what people think of it. Like, I I think that it's dangerous to say we're going to focus on Denise because you end up having a Sasha Baron Cohen's not going to play Freddie Mercury for all these reasons. Circumstance on your hands, where Reddit decides that they know better than the people making the thing. 
why it's not going to work this season before they've even seen it. Like, I think, I think you can rest assured Aziz is going to be in Aziz's show. Like, yeah. and, and there, I'm already starting to see comments about like, I mean, she's funny as a side character, but this is a huge disappointment for me. Like, relax. Just like, like hit, tap the brakes for a second. The show hasn't been on in four years. Let's see yeah. what they got for us. Totally. And, and it's not like a show that, that they've ever really rushed. Like no. it always seems like it's pretty meticulous in how, how the storylines are formed and how it's filmed and how the plot goes. Like for the most part, the, the show is like kind of like movie centric. Yes. Oh yeah. And like the, they try to, they, it's like a cinematographical, if that's a word, masterpiece. I always struggle with that. I've often said it and felt like an asshole for saying cinematographical. Because it, it feels okay. like way too many syllables that can't be right, but I I, I know I know what you're getting at. There will be there will be takes about Aziz being an abuser who doesn't belir- doesn't deserve another chance, even though he's been gone for a long time, and and that his is one of the more oft debated Me Too situations. So that'll be mm-hmm. interesting. Remember how Chris D'Elia was like a big like pedophile. So, yes, was definitely like, uh, and he, anyways, he came back within the last like three weeks. To what extent? He's back on Instagram. He was completely a ghost. Yeah. He's got like a one year old baby. Oh. Um, he is, he like, he started by going like, and sure, this is probably all very calculated, especially now in retrospect, but he started by going like, okay, I, yes, was bad to my wife. I was definitely cheating. I was getting messages from girls and I was like, yada, yada, yada. But I was never targeting underage girls. And if they were underage, I had no idea. Like I was not, that was not part of what I was doing. Was I a shitty husband? 100%. Um, Anyway, so that's kind of like, that was like the first thing. And he was like, I don't know if I'm going to be coming back. I'm spending time with my family, yada, yada. Weird. Uh, and then he started kind of like the, the Instagram posts started happening more and more. And then like, weirdly, there was like no negative comments under his posts. Yeah, that, that doesn't and surprise me too much. Like if he's being followed by people who want him to come back. Who like him. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then it start, but but I've seen the opposite too. Yeah, he's not Where, famous enough. He's not as famous as Aziz. Aziz will, right. Aziz will get both. Had, yeah, he might have had more of a cult following. That was like whatever. Like we're all good with it. Anyways, so he's back like doing his podcast now and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, just speaking of people that interesting have seemed to apparently like cross the cancellation line. There was definitely, there was definitely more damning evidence against that guy. And I don't remember a lot of the specifics. I'll believe him. If he says that he's a shitty husband, I don't know if I believe everything else, but I also don't know that I have the energy to investigate it. Cause I didn't, no, I didn't I, have a lot of, uh, a lot of my heart invested in Crystalia to begin with. Totally same. And I, again, like I haven't looked in, I, I didn't, go back to investigate everything before I just kind of remembered hearing stuff where I'm like, Oh geez, that's not, not very good. It doesn't sound like a good human. 
Maya Erskine from Pen15 got added to the Obi-Wan Kenobi show today, which is really important that I mentioned because we've already recorded the Star Wars podcast and we weren't able to slip that into the news. Um, but she's obviously Maya on Pen15. She's like popped up in a couple things in the last few years. I don't think that we should take this weird like bowl cut and unicorn t-shirt she wears in her show as the, you know, <laughs> what what she's likely to look look like like tonally in in Star Wars. I actually think that maybe she'll fit in there quite nicely. Yeah. That's interesting. I had no idea about that. Yeah, and I can't remember everybody off the top of my head right now, but like they they blew that cast wide open a couple of weeks ago and they announced tons of people who are going to be in it. And what what is interesting as a show that we or like we what we know of old Ben Kenobi is that he's like this isolated hermit. And it seems like there's going to be a lot of different people in this show. I don't think he's going to be isolated through most of the series. I think he's going to be uh, active. Okay. I dig that. Yep. Have you heard of um, Rutherford Falls yet? Have you seen the the, the new show with them? Um, uh, yes, I saw the, the trailer today. Um, sh- shoot. They were on a talk show last night. Oh, Ed Helms. It's Ed Helms was on Colbert yes. last night. It yeah. feels very Ed Shurian. It feels like Parks and Recian a little bit. Well, it is It is Mike Shurian. It, he's he's working on it, So, which I found kind of interesting. Like Ed Helms has sort of struggled to find a thing to be like, like I mean, doing the Family Vacation reboot was probably right. not great. And like, I think it's great if he has a shepherd like Mike Shur to to give him a great platform that's of a high caliber and people will tune in for it. Because obviously uh, Ed Helms is hilarious and lovable, but we haven't seen that much of him. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he weirdly was the, the big um, producer behind the Auntie Donna's big old house of fun right. show that, which I found very, very funny too. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's got, you know what? I hate to use a cliche here. But I think it's got good bones. <laughs> well, we'll check it out, as we always do. I think we should. Actually, I think it comes out tonight. Okay. So maybe next week we do Cruel Summer and Rutherford Falls, and then yeah. we save the, the movie movie for uh, a week where we really don't have anything. Absolutely. What What is Cruel Summer? Because I, so I just know that as like a fan favorite Taylor Swift lover album cut. And also uh, an Ace of Base song, isn't it? Oh, very possibly. I my vision doesn't go too far beyond Taylor Swift. It's a cruel, cruel, cruel summer. <laughs> now you're gone. You're not the only one. It's a cruel. Anyways, Becky says I have perfect pitch, so I won't say anymore because <laughs> I don't want to. My name is Jean Valjean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Jade will uh, correct a thing next week. Yes, if she knows anything uh, about about uh, Ace of Base, we really appreciate the correction. Yeah. Chime on in. Tell yep. us about Ace of Base, Jade. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Uh, cruel Summer. So Cruel Summer is a Jessica Biel joint. Right. <laughs> a Jessica Biel joint. Yeah. So it's her new... Uh, it's her new The Sinner. Speaking of The Sinner, did you know the upcoming season being filmed right here in Nova Scotia. Did not know this. Where? In like Shelburne? I have no idea. I I don't know anything beyond that. I heard a radio personality mention it on air (laughs) while I was driving across the Halifax Bridge a week and a half ago. Uh, So is Jessica Biel 
kicking it here? Will Timberlake be here? Or is it like one of those anthology shows and she's not involved anymore? Got more of a feeling that it's, oh, it, oh, the center is definitely one of those anthology shows that she is not, she's a producer on, but I don't think she'll be making the trip for. Okay. Some producer. Yeah. We'll probably get, um, what's his name from Spaceballs? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that friggin' guy. Uh, that Pul- guy's. Pullman. Bill Pullman. Pullman. Bill yeah. Pullman. Bill Pullman is still in the show. He's like, the show is now like, it's not centered around him, but it kind of is. So for like a couple years, there was this really funky food festival in the Valley that our station right. like did a little bit of work with. And it was like really cool. It was a food festival and they would get a celebrity guest. And the first year they really maxed out and they got Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> and so yes. like, so you're having a food festival and you want to have a celebrity guest and Anthony Bourdain is alive. Uh, get him. That's great. <laughs> and uh and then the second year they got bill pullman and i guess he does like have some clout in the food community i don't know if he has like a a cookbook or something but i just remember thinking that is such a that is such a weird transition to go from anthony bourdain no matter who they went to after that it would be weird and then they went to uh bill pullman and then the third year which was the last year for this food festival they booked Questlove, who also has cookbooks and I thought that's really cool. And then Questlove bailed; he didn't come. Oh, true story. Like, like right before, kind of thing. It was pretty close. I forget what happened, but there was some kind of like, "Sorry, I gotta do Jimmy Fallon that night" or something. Oh man, I hope he had a good reason because he doesn't seem like the type of guy to bail on stuff. No, he also did a show at the Marquee like within the last ten years. Questlove, that's awesome. Maybe 15 years. You know, Questlove is, he knows so much about like music culture. He probably knows about the marquee. He like, probably you could say any city in the world and he would tell you their cool music club. You're right. You're so right. You know, it's not called the marquee anymore on a weird aside. No, what is it called now? I did know that. It's called like the old Derby or something. Oh, (laughs) only to be changed back to the marquee within the next like three years. No, that's not what I had in mind. I thought that it had another... Well, I mean, the seahorse is there now. Maybe that's what I was thinking. The Derby Show Bar is what it's called. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like the marquee. Yeah, of course. Walked home across the bridge when the marquee shut down. That's right. There's a reason why you love this town. LeVar Burton's going to get his shot. He's going to guest host Jeopardy in July. Stop sounding the alarms. And you know what's funny? <laughs> Like, I, I feel like such an asshole because I'm not rooting against LeVar Burton. But as soon as they announce, hey, look, you got your wish. We heard your petitions. LeVar Burton's going to be a guest host. People already bitching that he hasn't been officially made the permanent host. You haven't even seen him do it once. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's outrageous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remove the word guest from this headline. Oh, my God. You brats. You brats. Right. By the way, Aaron Rodgers really grew on me. He really came nice. into his own. He he was lovely, and he he got kind of funny in the second week. And I I read this article where apparently he studied like hundreds of hours of game tape. Like he's a super Alex Trebek fan. He really wanted to like mimic Alex's approach to the game. Um, he he never had like an awkward moment the way Doctor Oz constantly had awkward moments. I came away from the thing with a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers. Maybe maybe you are a Green Bay Packers fan now. Maybe I am. Me and Red Foreman. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that would really piss off Marshall's family. 
Mar- in How, How I Met, I your, Met mother. your Mother. That's true. That's yeah. an interesting How I Met Your Mother reference that you just pulled. That's like kind of niche. I remember that being a thing. They're big Vikes fans. That's right. He calls they them hate the Vikes. The Green Bay Packers. Yes. See, I didn't know about that rivalry. Yeah. Go Vikes. Um, we'll say if you haven't listened to the uh, You Made It Weird with Aaron Rodgers and Pete Holmes, I think you'd really like it. I listened to it years ago. I don't know if they've done a couple of them, but they're like genuinely friends, I think. Yeah. I think it was like a connection through Olivia Munn. Oh, okay. Because at the time, Olivia Munn was dating Aaron Rodgers, but I think has since kind of like came out against Aaron Rodgers and been kind of shitty to him. Oh, that's kind of a bummer. And now he's with Shailene, Shailene Woodley. Yes. They were like engaged. Yeah. That surprised a lot of people, I guess. It really did. It came. No one knew about it. Uh, the actress Helen McCrory died and, and she's like a known British actress and she's the wife of Damien Lewis. She had cancer. She was only 52. It's very tragic. But our generation knows her best as Narcissa Malfoy, um, Draco's mom. And so she, oh, she, she just, okay. and like Damien Lewis's wife. And so he said some heartbreaking, lovely things at the top of the week. Uh, yeah. 52. Like that's really, really horrible. She would have been really young in the Harry Potter movies. Totally. Uh, and she was in Peaky Blinders, I think. Like, she was like a consistent actor. And it was, yeah, it was so sad to just see, like, it was such a nice kind of write up about her, too. I, yeah. I always admire that when people can, like, you know, may, and maybe you have time to prepare for something like that. But it was just like, I don't know how, people, I don't know how people can find their inner poet when the person they love most has just died and like they're like speaking to the world like without giving out too many details i went to a funeral for a person who was way too young to have passed away and this person's father like gave a eulogy and i just like composed yeah like i couldn't believe it and he was like kind of funny in it it was it was impossible to understand and yet so admirable speaking of this i remember uh you mentioning that you were at one point in time like pretty hardcore about Elliot Smith. Yeah, I know I was I was more of a I was more of a Connor Oberst guy than an Elliot Smith guy. But gotcha. like but like sure. Yeah, I I okay. I, I I like the obvious songs. Okay, cool. Anyways, I just it, it was such a blind spot for me and then someone that I work with was saying that they that's what they listen to while they work. Yes. That's <laughs> weird. Like, I was like interesting, Elliot Smith and yeah. I was like just thinking to myself, I've never heard a single Elliot Smith song that I know of. I'm sure it's I've like consumed it in passing on a TV show or something. Yeah. But I like dove down that that well a little bit, and I'm like, wow. Oh, beautiful. How did, how did I? How did I never go down this? Like, I'm a 31 year old man that listens to a lot of music. Like, finds avenues that like specifically just I'm like oh, I haven't explored this one before. Let's go down here. You must have recognized. You must have recognized. I'm in love with a girl through the eyes of the bat. Yeah. yeah, totally. What do I recognize that from? I don't know. Lots of movies, probably. It's a lot of movies. Okay. I think. I don't know. I don't really see you as somebody who's listened to like a lot of mopey acoustic poet music. So while you are like a big music, you'd be fan, surprised. Okay. All right. That was kind of exactly my thing in high school. And Elliot Smith, not so much. A little bit, but I think why we briefly mentioned him you and i recently is that i said i kind of can't listen to him without uh, dwelling on his horrible fate so like i know how he died and it's just such a horrid story that it kind of 
I don't want to say it spoils his music, but it's very hard for me to forget and then imbue my own feelings onto the the music. Well, and I remember I said the same thing about um, Frightened Rabbit, which yes. was a, a band that I really liked and did like kind of hadn't heard of them for a little while. It was like a couple of years. And then I finally like saw an interview with someone else and they they were asked the question like what's a band you can never listen to and they kind of like in a in a nice way were like oh frightened rabbit and i was like whoa what's the beef here and he was like after the lead singer killed himself it was just like oh i can't even like hear those songs anymore like it's just so haunting and that he was such a beautiful person i was like what well that's how i kind of feel about about nirvana honestly like and i was never a big fan of nirvana i'm realizing now we already had this conversation you and i uh but sure but i guess because those songs are a little boppier and a little bit more fun um, they are and, and and it's almost like there was something more made of that whole thing like we we were like three and four years old when that happened true. i think yes so and then that legacy continued to happen and we knew that as like we listen every time we listened to nirvana we knew that the lead singer died and mm. there was no kind of chance and also we i think maybe we had the the mindset of the fact that um Dave Grohl was kind of like escalating from that situation. True. So that's also kind of like a nice little, I don't know, makes you feel a little bit good. And and I don't want to say that's one of the reasons that the Foo Fighters are as successful as they are, but I feel like it has to come into the equation. No, absolutely. I think that like one of the fibers of Foo Fighters is optimism. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and, you get that a lot from Dave Grohl, although at this point I'm also kind of like, like, don't you think Dave Grohl's done a little too many documentaries? Yeah, I guess that's true. He's kind of like a cartoon character of a rock star. And not in like not I don't mean to say he's like a cliche, but like he just like says all the right things and his songs are like great songs. And and maybe if you're like a if Foo Fighters are your favorite band you'd feel very differently. And they are a band that people adore. I just don't have a very close relationship with them. I just tangentially honestly, like Dave Grohl as like a person in culture. They're they're like, you know, probably like a top, like I would say they're maybe like seven on my top 10 list. Yeah. Like they're, they're a band that I would love to see, love everything they do. But I weirdly at the same time go like, I don't know if you need to make this documentary about moms of rock stars. Or did he do that? I think, yeah, he's doing that now. Like there's like cradle to stage is like what the new documentary is called. And it's all about like, now we're talking to like rock stars, moms and like what, how they got there, which is, I guess, great. Like you're doing your thing, man. I shouldn't shit on that. It's just like, and I guess he's like he's really making a, a different album from all the other Foo Fighters albums. Right. So I don't know. Like it the artistry is there. Yep. Oh yeah. He's I cool. guess I guess maybe there's just too much of a publicity push behind it. Maybe that's part of where I'm like, just drop an album. You think drop he's, an album You think Dave Grohl is too commercial. This is like when that guy was like, You must be bummed because Death Cab is on a major label now. Ah, <sighs> Unfortunately, I think I'm there a little bit. You're that like, guy. 
I think I am that guy a little bit. Like, like weirdly, weirdly Taylor Swift can drop an album out of nowhere and I'll be impressed by that. Although I know she's getting so paid for it. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> let's divorce from Scooter Ron because he's robbing me. I'm like, you're like the richest pop star in the world anyway. Um, no, hey, that's a, that's that's an important principle that she's exercising about about the importance of owning your masters and and not letting somebody else profit off your own work. It's not about getting richer. The, okay, sure, but like, would that have ever happened without the not to take Scooter Braun's side at all here? But just devil's advocate, would would her success have been the same success without Scooter Braun? Absolutely, Maybe not. Absolutely, he didn't. He didn't usher her career at all he he bought them in an auction she was told she wasn't allowed to have them and then they sold them out from under her to scooter braun like four years ago <laughs> he has nothing okay. to do with her success oh yeah no that's a screw job for sure yeah it was really ugly it was just part of scooter braun's uh sneaky ploy to take over all the popular music he has worked with a lot of people and he has probably been instrumental in in their success but and Taylor has had people who have helped get her places too. There's no question, but yeah. the two are not one and the same. And as long and as I think, and to her credit, I think she shuts them out for the most part. Like when, like she, she doesn't say like, I got here on my own. No, as long as you brought her up, like, can we talk for a second about fearless Taylor's version, which I've listened yeah. to like a couple of times through. And I think it's like very, um, it's very technically savvy and it's it's impressive, but I don't think enough people are talking about how fucking weird it is that this 31-year-old woman like dug out her diary of songs she wrote when she was 17 and decided to re-release them into the world. I realized that like her diary was always out in the world, but like if I'm Taylor Swift, all I want to do is forget that Hey Steven and You Belong With Me exist because I'm so embarrassed by them. And they're great right. songs, but if I'm Taylor Swift, I'm embarrassed by them. And there's something impressive about her business acumen that she can see right past that internal cringe and see that this is still the right thing to do. To take it my a step made a, to take it a step further. Made a post on Instagram that that this was inner child uh work for Taylor Swift. What does that mean? It means I think it's more of like a therapeutic term, Maybe. meaning like this is her looking back on like issues she had, re-recording them and like releasing them as kind of a therapy for herself. Maybe, but like this album came with six never before heard Fearless Era tracks, which is even right. crazier. So these songs yeah. were deemed not good enough in 2006. And now, right. now, and actually they're very good. And I, I refuse to believe that they haven't been dramatically overhauled recently because who would even know? Um, right. Because why would they have been cut otherwise? But like she is going to re-release Fearless, Taylor Swift self-titled, Sparks Fly, Red, 1989, Reputation, I guess nothing else after that. But like... That's that's a lot of goddamn songs. There has to be some songs on there. She hates with her entire self. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, and the fact that uh, you know the the Joe Jonas stuff and Sophie Taylor. Did you see? Yeah, that where she was kind of like bowing down or something. Like Taylor said, she bent the knee and 
and Sophie Turner said that what was the song like so about the, Joe Jonas? Yeah, well, there's interestingly there's a lyric on I I think it's on uh, on folklore, which is uh, cold was the steel of my axe to grind for the men who broke my heart. Now I send their babies presents. And so the only like public figure who Taylor Swift has dated who has kids now is Joe Jonas. And so like it's this lyric about getting over your your past bullshit and just like being an adult is a really really good lyric and yes there are a couple songs on fearless including one of these new ones um most famously forever and always which were about joe jonas and they're so mad and so it's weird that she's like singing them again when she and joe jonas and sophie turner are cool so i think that was part of the marketing it's like let's just have sophie tweet about it and then people will blog about that like crazy because everyone's always trying to like figure out how her relationships are with people. I thought it was really Man, smart. You're, you're so, you're so you and I are such on the same page to, to bring up the PR of it. Cause I said <laughs> the exact same thing to Jen. Cause I was like, wow, how orchestrated do you think that was? And she oh, was yeah. like orchestrated. And I was like, yeah, like, don't you think that like Taylor's team talked to Sophie's team and they like got together and they were like, yeah, this will make both of us look good. And she was like, no, that's, oh, yeah. No, you're so right. Like, there are. She's like they're they're just friends. Maybe, but there are no Taylor Swift accidents. None. Well, and I was like, I was like, well, then this PR stunt worked out perfectly. Yeah. That's what you're walking away with. There are some rumors right now on TikTok that she's getting ready to release the third in the folklore trilogy. There's like people who love to do deep dives on the code of Taylor Swift's social media posts. Like, oh, she just tweeted and there were three angel emojis in the tweet. There must be a new album coming out called Angel. And like, I think the wow. the signs point to either tomorrow, which is the day this podcast releases. Maybe there's a new Taylor Swift album or <laughs> or or a week from tomorrow. Um and I think it's worth it putting on the record right now that I'm at least aware of these insane theories that might in fact be true. Well, what are the odds that show show episode 179 and oh, wait, what, what, what show show are we on? Tonight's 190. 190? Yes, sir. What are the odds that show show 190 and the third folklore album come out on the same day? I mean, it's kismet. I'm taking bets right now. If you add up all the digits in 190, <laughs> you <laughs> this is how they operate. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's exactly. talk about shows. Let's talk about shows, baby. Let's talk about two shows, sweets. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things we like about shows. Let's talk about shows. Perfect pitch. <laughs> Thank you. Amazing. I did it again. Okay, uh, I'm going to put you on the clock. You can choose whichever of the two shows you would like to recap. Which do you think that's going to be? I think it's going to be Made for Love. Okay, you can recap. This is uh, Kristen Milioti. I think I've often called her Christina or Christy. I just have to keep in mind that she's part of the the many Kristens of Hollywood. You're Kristen Stewart's and you're Kristen Wiggs. And you're... and I say Milioti. Is there an I before the O? Maybe it is Milioti. I th- always thought it was Milioti. Liliotti. No, I- uh, the way <laughs> Lil Yachty Mil Yachty. Yeah. I, I read it as M-I-L-O-T-T-I, but I could be... Look. I could have... We don't, need, on we don't need a fan correction on this. I'm always wrong. So... That's right. Jade, 
<laughs> please don't please bite your bite your tongue please don't take time out of your day is all i'm saying don't don't hey <laughs> I, I see her as a how i met your mother person she is the titular mother of that show speaking of that show that's right i i was gonna bring that up back then but i didn't want to do yet another Aladi spoiler all right you recap the first episode of made for love in three two one go okay so christina Milati plays a the wife of a uh, billionaire of Gogol, which is so on the nose that it's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, he lives in a little compound uh, that he can kind of recreate to be whatever he wants. Um, she realizes that there's a chip in her brain uh, that is causing them to, to uh, like be on the same page. She escapes. She goes to her father's house and is essentially followed. Um, that's 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> Yes, that's right. She goes to her father's house. She has to escape through the pool. I don't really understand very much about this show. Does she know that she's, is she in captivity? I guess she is. Is she a test subject? Is she an employee? Is is the fella a robot? Is he an evil CEO? There, What's going on? There's actually, there's actually more, um, more info given in the second episode. I don't know why I said actually. It's pretty obvious. But um, he almost becomes a little bit more sympathetic and also crazy mm. um, because he's clearly so fixed. There's They do like a 60 minutes piece at one point in the show where uh, Christina Mil- or Chris- Kristen Milati? Kristen. She, she's one of the Kristens. She's one of the Kristens. She says uh, there, there's like a reference to, oh, he makes these flavor balls and that's what he eats rather than meals. Okay. And the interviewer goes, and that's why they call you Willy Wonka. And uh, he goes, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so the, like, the interviewer and uh, Kristen Bellotti are like, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mov- the movie Willy Wonka. And oh, he doesn't like, get the reference. Oh, oh, like exactly. Like he's just so about his work. He's like literally, he's made a bubble around himself. He's not very loved. Like, I think he loves her because she, like, showed him just the slightest bit of of love. But they, in the second episode, it's revealed that they got married on their first date. Oh. And she's kind of been there ever since, and it's been, like, 10 years. See, we kind of thought that maybe, like, he's literally a robot because there seems to be this theme in the first episode of, like, autonomous sexual pleasure. Like, so it opens up. There is some some oral sex happening. He turns it down, which is a, right. an interesting choice. And then, like, then there's all this stuff about like sex dolls. She seems to have like a like she trialing a vibrator of some kind. And then in the end of the episode, obviously, she walks in on her dad, who is having sex with a mannequin. And so, like, there there's a lot of like sex doll stuff in this. And so we kind of wondered, like, maybe this fella is the most uh, elevated sex doll experience ever and she is the guinea pig for it and like they put her in a compound and she has this like beautiful billionaire boyfriend or husband who actually is not real at all but she feels physically fulfilled and I wonder if that's where we were headed no I, I think it's I think it's more just he's like he's like Elon Musk on steroids right yeah with like absolutely no social cues, no, like maybe he was like rejected by his parents as well. Maybe he did this because 
his parents weren't like uh, like almost in a in a, the big shot kind of way like what his parents hated about him was what got him to be successful in, right. in business he's played uh, a few assholes before this guy billy magniston i think his name is and i, I remember seeing him in a couple of things back to back a few years ago and thinking this guy has like a star quality and he usually pays plays assholes we saw him in ingrid goes west he plays elizabeth olsen's like incredibly narcissistic evil psychotic brother and he was also in that show maniac with jonah hill and emma stone oh yeah for a while he turned up in things fairly often and then we haven't seen him in a while and he's kind of doing that again here it's like there's one point where there's like a dinner party and he he like gets this warm welcome and then he he walks up and he whispers in in Kristen Milati's ear ear you've been lying to me or something and she's suddenly very very nervous around him and he just has this kind of like false gregarity um that I think this yeah. actor I think this actor does it quite quite well you know what's funny is that, that was kind of like like Bradley Cooper's specialty hmm. like before the hangover like he was sack lodge in wed- in wedding crashers yeah he was I don't know why I put the emphasis on crashers. <laughs> wedding, crashers. wedding crashers. His name in Wedding Crashers was Sack Lodge. It's such an interesting choice that they decided Sack. that the guy's name was Sack. Sack yeah. Lodge? Who wrote Wedding Crashers? I don't know. It's a good question. Um, quick aside, and I want to stay on the show as long as you want to stay on the show, but in Detroiters, hmm. there is a... Uh, character played by amber ruffin oh nice and she actually wrote several of the episodes and amber ruffin is she's super funny she's so funny in the show too yeah like and the episodes that the the episode in the first season that she wrote is like so epic it's such a like i would point people toward this one show to to give them like the overall idea of what detroiters is i was going to text you about it but i thought i would tell you on the podcast and you should just go watch it did you just have a hunch that i was an amber ruffin fan found out that she was on uh seth the late yeah, she, night with seth she's a writer for seth and she also has her own late night talk show now too she she pulls double duty the the show her talk show it it kind of is a miracle that it works as well as it does because like such a tired format, but she has such a clear sense of her own comedic sensibility. She knows exactly who she is funny wise and she knows right. how to perfectly harness it and use it to kill. Like she is so funny and, and weird and adorable. Like, have you ever seen the, the reoccurring bit on Seth Meyers? Amber says what? No, I was reading about it on Wikipedia. So I was reading about this episode on Wikipedia. They've probably they've probably done Amber says what like forty or fifty times in the last seven years. They do it all the time, and it's the same every time. And it's exactly what the title is: Amber says what, and it's it never loses a trace of how funny it is. It's funny every single time. Really? Yeah. Is it literally, it's her saying what? So she just like goes through the news. She'll, she's like, she'll describe weird stuff that happened in pop culture. And then she'll, she'll just say what in all these different ways. And it's always funny. She'll turn to the camera and go like, what? Yep. That's it. Wow. 
That's incredible. She's she's so funny. She plays a the ex uh, girlfriend of Sam Richardson on the show. She's always the ex girlfriend, and she is a cop. Okay, which makes it even funnier. And she's always talking about the funny things that she did to pedestrians. Like she's like, "Oh man, I tasered this guy. I cuffed him. I stuffed him. I put him in the back of the truck. And guess what?" And Sam Richardson's like, I, I don't even want to hear about it. She's like, he pissed himself. <laughs> <laughs> She's always so proud of it. And anytime Tim comes around, he's got such a loving like, oh, hey, I thought I smelled bacon. Oink, oink, piggy, piggy. And he's like, hugging, <laughs> he's like hugging her. And she's like, now watch your mouth because like you might find that crack or like, it'd be a shame if I said something about the crack that was in your pocket. And he's like, what crack in my butt? And like reaches in his body. He's like, Oh, you did it. It's It's really weird that she plays a cop in it. It's interesting because, uh, when black lives matter got really amplified last year, she got a lot of camera time on Seth telling her personal, uh, stories about run-ins with police. And so she has a lot of personal feelings about, police and general police behavior that I guess might actually fuel her for being perfect for such a a wacky police officer in this show like she doesn't take it, it too seriously as she can be as as off the wall and inappropriate as the the comedy requires it felt like that decision didn't come from a like you know a place of reverence out of a hat. yeah yeah oh yeah I it, see it, it was like it was pretty calculated what could be the funniest thing that I could play does it feel a little bit to you like uh, Kristen Milotti is a little typecast between uh, the Black Mirror episode that she was in, which is the most famous Black Mirror episode, and even Palm Springs, which is like a dark comedy with a hint of sci-fi in it? Like, it seems to be this is her realm. And, and a girl that's kind of, uh, sorry, a woman that's kind of like frustrated with where she's at. Yeah. And she's kind of like trapped trying to run <laughs> she's, yeah. she's she's trapped and trying to run in every single thing yeah you're absolutely right no i was thinking that while i was watching it too actually this the this billy magnuson also was in the same episode of of black mirror so i don't know if that's like an intentional thing or if they're just pals and they got teamed up somehow i don't know a lot about the pedigree of this show well we like we'd be remiss to not say that this like is a long black mirror episode yes like this, I, I was waiting to see Charlie Brooker at the end and then go, how was Charlie Brooker allowed to do an Amazon show? But it's just like, they were like, hey, let's just cast the girl who is the best in uh, a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, I guess it's probably not an accident. It's not typecasting. It's just intentional. I think about that sometimes. I think we talked about um, this Ringer blog that I read about. Uh, it was an article about how Ben Affleck's movie decisions are much more astute than he gets credit for that like gone girl was a commentary on the fame of ben affleck and so like i wonder i wonder a little bit if like typecasting exists but i think in some cases with the really famous people it's not so much that as it is just like deliberate uh meta casting Uh yeah i agree well a good example of that is is promising young women a uh, young, young woman with with like Adam Brody and McLovin and even Bo Burnham, like all these guys who you're supposed to feel safe with. Like that is clearly a, a talking point about that movie where they deliberately chose unlikely people to be dangerous in those movies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That was, that was a choice that they made. And 
I feel like all of them have said that too. They're all like, yeah, we signed on because we kind of like, how weird was that? That we were playing kind of evil guys. Uh, Ray Romano in this, I don't know what happens to the mother. There's like a flashback where she like has parents. And then in the end, it's very clear that dad's uh, alone and lonely. And so we don't know what happens to her mom in the pilot episode. But I think it's worth mentioning that Ray Romano appears in this show and Brad Garrett produced Big Shot. So we have like a weird backdoor. Everybody loves Raymond show show this week. So happy you said that because I said that last night. I, I looked at Jenna. I was like, you know, there's an everybody loves Raymond connection in both of these shows. <laughs> She's kind of like, okay, well, like, tell me what it is. Yeah, like whatever. I don't care that much. <laughs> I was like, Brad <laughs> Garrett. Well, first of all, I went, well, Ray Romano was in the last show. <laughs> she like, <laughs> like, yes, gathered that. And then I revealed the Brad Garrett thing. So you give Made for Love your S, I guess, because you've been watching it. I do. I don't think I do. I don't think it really got me. And I, I wasn't oh. offended by it, but I just, I kind of didn't, yeah. I didn't see anything new in it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's, I'm interested to see where it goes. Sure. Okay. We might finish it. It's, it's more serious than, it's less serious than devs, but more serious than, what was that other Amazon show about um, like life in heaven and the kind of simulation? Oh God. I don't know. Because we be, watched it. It kind of seems like like Amazon shows are a dime a dozen these days. These like kind of like dreary, offbeat, dark drama comedies, uh, like where like somebody goes haywire and cuts off a guy's fingers with an axe, and there's also right. lots of cursing. Yeah. That this one that I'm talking about was was more along the lines of The Good Place. Oh, okay. I don't know. But kind of like a different take on it. I don't know. Anyways, it was alright. Do you it have was a, pretty funny actually? Do you have a clock I like there? It. I can put myself on the clock actually for. Uh, I'm going to recap the first episode of of Big Shot. This is on Disney Plus. It's a Disney Plus original show. Like it's actually in, it's built into the show that it's a Disney Plus show uh, starring John Stamos. Uh, do you want to count me down? Produced by Brad Garrett. Yes, it is. Okay. You're going, you've got one shot. Don't give away your shot. Okay. To recap the big shot in three, two, one. Yeah. John Stamos is like a pretty impressive uh, professional basketball coach, uh, but he has a bad temper and he hurled a chair at a coach at a ref. And so essentially he got like thrown out and his only job is to coach uh, high school girls uh, basketball at like a private school. And so immediately he doesn't really fit into like the Gen Z culture of uh, they're all snowflakes for the lack of a better term. And uh, the school is kind of run by this gal whose dad paid for the gym and he's not going to take any guff from them. And he calls one of the girls fat and she confronts him. And I guess everybody's going to have to learn to tolerate each other. Uh, good. Miss any, any big pieces? No, no, I think you kind of nailed it. The, the only other things were like, he's a divorced dad. The assistant coach is also divorced. I couldn't help they but at like one point have a... it felt like such a cliche to me. And I can't even think of any other examples, so I'm not sure it is a cliche, but it felt like such a cliche to me that he has like a daughter who's got a smart mouth and he doesn't see her enough, but he loves her so much. I don't know if it maybe Space Force reminded me of that a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like a, a an out of story daughter that right. that is like kind of the conscience. Like the women in his life are kind of his conscience. And so the I, the general premise is like he is a fish out of water. He doesn't understand 
the culture of, of this high school, I guess, and they're not used to somebody who's as tough as he is. And maybe he crosses the line sometimes, but it's this kind of determination that's going to get them the W. And mm-hmm. that framework has been done to death many times. And, and it wasn't really done well. Like, it wasn't no. like, there was nothing really, like, exciting or super funny about it. Honestly, the whole fat shaming thing, we that I, I think that went over our heads. I don't think we missed it. Oh, like, it's, it really stands out. I noticed it. Did you? Okay. When he okay, first that, meets that, them, that was an us. When he first meets them, he lines them up, and he's like, he's basically saying like, what we're going to be doing, and uh, some of you really have to change. And he singles out one girl, and he's like, you got to lose five pounds, and then she just kind of oh, closes okay. in on I herself. Yeah, he tells her I, outright. We, I thought that was a worse show because I missed that part. And then she comes in and I was like, out of nowhere, she's just like, you fat shamed me. <laughs> and he's like, uh, and anyways. he's, and he says, sorry, like he's not necessarily an asshole, but something that's, that's wrong with the show is that there are no nuances to any of the characters. Like nobody no. has any more than just the artifice, including the main character. Like I guess he has a daughter, but like we don't know what anybody likes. And like these teenage girls who are presumably going to become the like the ensemble for the show, the way they develop really effectively in the first episode of Mighty Ducks Game Changers or in Cobra Kai. These girls, uh, they're all just cartoons of high school girls. And so like I- and the big reveal of the show was was John Stamos saying, "Yeah, my dad said I was worthless or whatever." Yeah, and that's supposed to be like, "Whoa, he's being super vulnerable with these girls and really like going out on a limb to show him, show them why he is the way he is," and then they're all gonna rally around that. But they are like like snowflakes. Like he comes in and blows the whistle, and they're like, "We find whistles triggering." Like this is really <laughs> la- this is really right. lazy interpreting of what a young person is. It's really unfair, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's true. And this other gal has some kind of brain disorder where she squeaks once and never again. Is that what, what it is? Yeah, and we don't we don't like labeling. Right, we don't like labeling. And then there's the bratty girl who's who's rude and her dad owns the gym, but but she's like, she's eventually going to come to respect coach. Right. That was the one thing where I was like, good on him for laying down the groundwork and not yeah, like... That's the right know. thing to do. <laughs> Kick yeah, her off the team, yeah. suspend her. She's being very inappropriate. Totally. But then he 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 kind of craters and puts her back in at the end of the game. We are kind of in what a bit you- of a, a, a bit of a coach renaissance right now, aren't we? Between like uh, Ted Lasso and this yeah. and, and certainly also Cobra Kai's like that's absolutely like a like an imperfect anti-hero coach story. And uh, oh, yeah. we talked about Beartown recently. I don't know how heavily that features coaches, but it seems like the studying that archetype, well, Mighty Ducks Game Changers, like that's that's kind of bringing it back. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and Mighty Ducks Game Changers in a way stronger way than the big shot. Yeah, this felt, I mean, it's a Disney production and I don't know, Disney famously like overhandles stuff to the point where it's like sanitized. I thought the script was more irreverent than some like family channel stuff, Disney channel stuff. But like, if you look at the high school, it's so Raven. Like, it's just like bright colors and it doesn't look real, right? It just looks like, like a Crayola box was a school. But also I thought like it was kind of like lazily done. Like the the actual like basketball scenes are like 
I don't know. I don't know what they were trying to go for there. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I don't, I don't know we talked about that recently too. Like when the actual sports in the show that's vaguely about sports aren't believable to sports fans, it can be really alienating. It's not a thing I would pick up on. Well, even, even just use it like the hand cam going from like one score on the home side to like the score on the visitor side. I was like, this is a Disney show. Right. Give me something better than like a weird, like shaky cam going from like one score to the other. I am happy to see a vet Nicole Brown. Like I want good things for her, I guess. It's totally. a, it's very much like a role that she would get, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I did ask um, Jen, John Stamos or Mario Lopez, like, Interesting. who is it? And uh, because I kind of think that they're both like a little bit evergreen and kind of like stay in the same, but she like, hands down mario lopez i think rob lowe is part of that conversation too yeah i i actually should have should have introduced him into the uh into the column c just to see what she would say i wonder what she would say hey just one second she's just downstairs let me let me shout shout this out to her okay we'll get a real-time response we got a, a live response to who tops out in the trifecta of hey jen handsome men from the 90s who are still looking good John Stamos. For show show purposes, uh, Mario Lopez, John Stamos, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe is your number one with the bullet? <laughs> All right. Wow. Did, you, did, did you hear that? That was unedited. It was so clear who her, who her favorite was. It's so clear with Rob Lowe. I mean, I have He's to agree. Enthusiastic about it. There you go. I have to Love agree. It. He has he has the comedic timing that, and he's done Sorkin work. So, <laughs> I think yeah, he's got the pedigree. He's got yeah. the he's he's definitely been in the 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 biggest shows. Oh, he's been in the best stuff, no question. Like The Outsiders, I mean, uh, St. Elmo's Fire, like the whole like he was, Brat Pack he was era. Soda Pop, Soda Pop, absolutely, and then The West Wing and Parks and Recreation, and now for some reason he's on a, like a firefighter procedural, but. That's his thing. Right. Right. Yeah. John Stamos is really interesting. He's like a very famous person considering he actually, he hasn't done that many things like ER. And I think he was on general hospital. And then obviously the full house universe, but like for the last drummed, drummed for the beach boys. That's true. Drums for the beach boys. A la John Mayer plays guitar for the grateful dead. It's like weird person who doesn't fit. I, yeah, I feel like John Mayer's involvement is like way above what John Stamos's involvement is. Maybe. Well, maybe, like but a, like Stamos has always been an active musician, and this might not be uh, an example that lends it a lot of credibility. But like, the Full House theme song is all John Stamos. Really? Oh yeah, everywhere you look, that that is John Stamos singing and doing the music. No, you're fucking kidding. Whatever happened to predictability? That's him. That's him. Yep, his greatest. The Milkman, the Paperboy, the Evening TV. <laughs> kind of a great theme song. Evening TV is still a thing. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. Yeah. <laughs> like, how could he be saying that the Evening TV went away in like 1992? Whatever happened to Evening TV? <laughs> it's like, well, what what are you doing in the evenings, John Stamos? Me- meanwhile, this is the biggest show on TV, and it's on in the evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Rob Lowe tops out on John Stamos, who's been quiet for the last 10 years, but here he is with uh, with the big shot, which will probably do very well. I think my folks watched it. Okay. Yeah. Liked it? I don't know. My, my, so, eh, yeah, they're tough critics. Some, some background 
like Bobby Knight was a famous college coach and he threw chairs. (laughs) So I, he never hit a ref. So it's the ref. We were like, (gasps) Oh yeah. Yeah. You go to, you're going to jail for abuse. Yeah. (laughs) How does that accidentally happen? No, no, you have a serious anger issue and the show is not about his anger issues at all. He's just an asshole. A lot of the time. Yeah. 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 He just needs to understand girls. Can't really say I give up my ass, but it's no, not, it's, not, don't give it's not unwatchable. It's just not any good. And truly thought that there was going to be like more um, gravitas behind this show than there was like, like a la the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Yeah. <laughs> Game Changers really set the bar high, didn't they? Weird, it, weirdly it so did and it <laughs> continues to good i gotta i keep saying i'm gonna watch the rest of it i might as well you should You're nothing really in kaplan corner this week she remains quiet i hope she's enjoying her privacy mm-hmm. i got a corner i got a trivia question for you on what movie okay. on what movie would you guess will smith made his biggest paycheck ever what movie paid him the most Weirdly, oh, okay. So there's a couple in the mix. Okay. Independence Day, Men in Black, Men in Black 2, and Wild Wild West. Very important that you consider that like some of the movies that are his best movies were before he was the biggest star in the world. And it's because of the, the, the staying power of those movies or the wake of those movies that he was able to command a bigger salary on perhaps less famous films subsequently. Right. But there was so, also the Fresh so Prince and he was pretty famous before he was a big movie star. Okay, so what is it? Is it is it one of the movies that I named? No. Was it that show, that movie that was like Earth Redux or something and it was like this show that was this movie that was like basically starring his son? Oh, no, I don't remember that. Okay. It was like well, Edge of Tomorrow. Was it? it was um it was iRobot in two thousand four. Oh yeah, okay, I could see that. iRobot paid Will Smith twenty eight million dollars. Wow. Holy Toledo. Twenty eight mil. And uh yeah, we, uh, who's talking about iRobot now? I saw it in theaters at the Penhorn Mall. That's just a funny footnote on the tombstone of Isaac Asimov now rolling over wishing that somebody more responsible was handling his precious cargo Mm -hmm. definitely and do you think he would have trusted will smith with that it is isaac asimov right it's not aldous huxley or like one of those other ray bradbury it's another like sci-fi guy i'm actually just now learning that it was clearly based on a novel of someone else (laughs) but it definitely wasn't aldous huxley so so clearly it was not very well handled and uh I don't. I don't think any of those three guys trust Will Smith. Trust Will Smith. Not John they, Steinbeck. Not not uh, Mark Twain. Oh, from the from these five people, Will Smith, you get ten thumbs down. <laughs> but twenty eight million dollars. So. But twenty eight million dollars <laughs> in your bank account. Cha ching. Yeah. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith. Never trust Will Smith.